Arkansas will have one of the largest contingents of millennial legislators in the country when our General Assembly convenes in January. Forty of the legislature's 135 seats will be filled by people aged 45 or younger. Those young legislators, both Republicans and Democrats, have formed the future caucus in Arkansas so that they can pursue policy initiatives that promote their common interests. The group met recently with community leaders in northwest Arkansas to talk about their priorities going into the next legislative session. We'll hear all about that meeting and the group's plans on today's Know the News podcast. Hello, I'm Rusty Turner, and I'm the host of the Know the News podcast, which is brought to you every week by the newsroom of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette and the River Valley Democrat Gazette. Our reporter, Doug Thompson, attended a meeting with the Futures Caucus this week, and we'll have a story about it in Sunday's edition of our newspapers. And he's here to talk about what happened right now. Hi, Doug. How do you do? Also with us today is Representative Aaron Pilkington. He's a Republican lawmaker from Clarksville. And he's one of the leaders in the State House of Representatives of the Future Caucus. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. And also joining us is Alexa Whaley, Press Secretary for the Millennial Action Project, an organization dedicated to activating young leaders and bridging partisan divides. Hi, Alexa. Hi. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Alexa, I want to start with you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the Millennial Action Project and its connection to the Arkansas Future Caucus? Yeah, so the Millennial Action Project, our elevator pitch, is that we activate young elected officials to bridge the partisan divide and transform American politics. And what we do is we create these caucuses called Future Caucuses, and we target state legislators to create these Future Caucuses. And these are bipartisan caucuses for legislators 45 and under um, to create bipartisan policymaking. And the reason why we target state legislators is because we really see our role as convening these young elected officials. Oftentimes, it's their first elected position, or maybe they've only been doing this for a couple or few years or so. And so we see these caucuses as a way to um, get training and create bipartisan policy alliances. Um, a lot of state legislators are understaffed. Um, and so we like to provide policymaking support by the peers in their future caucuses um, and any other uh, resources that we have available at MAP. Um, and we also just like to promote bipartisan policymaking. You know, for the longest time, um, being able to work across the aisle is how we would examine effective governing. And we really want to bring that back and show how we can all have shared wins um, in the coming future together. All right. And so, Aaron, tell us how that relates to the Arkansas Future Caucus and what what you hope to you and your colleagues who are who are part of it hope to accomplish when the legislature convenes next year. Sure. So there's a number of issues that we hope to work on uh, collectively together as, you know, uh, Republicans and Democrats, uh, and especially that are future focused to the future of Arkansas. And so those are uh, mental health, entrepreneurship and uh, maternal health, as well as uh, criminal justice reform. So those are some areas, um, you know, we, we have a phrase that we always like to use, which is, you know, we look for for common solutions and not necessarily common ground, I think what makes the Millennial Action Project and the Future Caucus so unique is that it, it encourages to be bipartisan, but for us not to give up our political beliefs either. We don't have to to moderate our views or anything like that. It's just come as you are, um, 
just be willing to listen and to engage in meaningful dialogue with one another and, and to be willing to toward, kind of work towards those common solutions. And so for us, we, you know, we've been very successful in the past. Uh, me and Jamie Scott had some legislation last session we kind of worked on. And, um, you know, the Future Caucus has existed in Arkansas since 2017. It, it kind of laid dormant for a while. Then me and Jamie picked it back up. And, and now with the amount of, of millennial legislators that we have, uh, in Arkansas, in many ways, it's it's kind of our, our coming out and showing everyone, you know, we're being a little more out front uh, leading as opposed to leading kind of from behind the scenes. So um, it's it's great to have a group like the Millennial Action Project come to Arkansas to shine a spotlight on us. Um, but but it's great for all these new members that we have to also let them know that there is this resource for them that they can lean into, that they can become better legislators by working with them, by developing professionally, uh, and also growing their networks, uh, not just here in Arkansas, but across the nation. And so sometimes the best ideas uh, for for new policies in Arkansas uh, can be found by looking at examples that other states have done. Oh, and I should, uh, I'll point out, uh, you mentioned Jamie Scott. She's a Democrat State House of Representatives member from Little Rock. Is that correct? North Little Rock. Correct. And she, yeah. North Little Rock. North Little Rock, yes. Yeah, okay. And and she's she's your counterpart. So there's a Republican and a Democrat in each house uh, uh, who who are leading the 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 uh, future caucus. Is that correct? That is correct. And typically there's a a Senate co-chair. We hadn't had one until uh, literally yesterday uh, during during one of our meetings. Um, we we asked Senator uh, Park Tucker and Senator Breanne Davis if they would be interested in filling those roles, and they both accepted. So. Um, we're we're very happy to kind of have them as as part of the leadership of the future caucus in the Senate. Okay, all right. So now, Doug, you attended the meeting um, uh, that was Wednesday night this week at the Momentary in Bentonville. So, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what happened there and what what you observed. Well, it was they basically introduced themselves. I think that with which, then, as they say, as um, the representative said, they've been in existence since 2017, but now they've actually got. Their feet on the ground, so to speak. They've got, and they have a significant number. Forty out of 135 is quite a quite a segment. Let's put it that way. It outweighs several other caucuses that I could name off the top of my head. Uh, and 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 that's that's a lot of folks. They have shared interest. They have, um, you know, it's not like they've got an agenda that they're going to push on everybody else and then try and try and throw their weight around. But they, but they what struck me the most. <clears throat> during last night's meeting was that bipartisanship is a very important part of what they're trying to do, but it's not just an attempt to bridge, you know, to do the proverbial reach across the aisle. They say, hey, we have common interests, we have common issues, we are, um, without denigrating their older members, they say we are part of a culture that is rapidly changing. And we're more attuned to it, and we have concerns. I think, to give a specific example, Senator Davis, Breanne Davis of of, uh, Russellville, um, talked when she first arrived, there really was no such group such as this, at least not organized in the Senate. She is the first Arkansas state legislator to ever give birth while in office. Okay, so she has a young child. I think she has other young children. 
And she's sitting there listening to all these other representatives talk about child care issues, and she's sitting there the whole time thinking, wait, wait, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, and, and I, frankly, the impression I got from last night's meeting was she was glad for the support of an organization like this and then fellow legislators who are a member of it. Yeah. Uh, quickly, and I do want to say that this is just an absolutely profound culture change from the legislature. I mean, I'm, I'm a dinosaur. I started covering legislature full-time 20 years ago. But the idea that there could be a group of relatively young, assertive people who could actually have some legislative influence would have been a completely foreign concept a quarter of a century ago. Anyway, I'll let our guests talk now. Um, so um, I think that's a good segue um, into asking Aaron and, and Alexa both. Um, Aaron, you listed some some areas of interest uh, that the Future Caucus is going to talk about. Can you be a little more specific about some of the things you talked about? Obviously, uh, Senator Davis mentioned child care uh, in the meeting last night, but, uh, you know, are you at the point where there's actually some legislation under consideration in any of these areas, or are these are, are, are you, or are we just looking at these things in a broad, in a broad way at this point? Um, so I would say we've, we've got kind of the broad issues that we, we want to work on. They are becoming way more in focus as we get closer to the legislative session. So, uh, one of the things I talked about was entrepreneurship. We've worked with a group called Right to Start um, that, that partners with MAP uh, to kind of help develop some of those entrepreneurial policies. I've got them currently getting drafted with the Bureau of Legislative Research. You know, there, there are little things like, um, you know, if you're starting a new business um, in, in a county that has a population of less than a certain amount, then, you know, you don't have to pay uh, – you state income tax on that business for the first three years. Uh, one other one that's looking to um, potentially uh, change the way we do some of our, our state contracts to allow for a certain percentage to go to, to businesses that be, have been established in Arkansas in the last five years. So just ways of kind of letting some of these smaller homegrown industries uh, develop uh, here in Arkansas and, and kind of giving them a leg up the way that a lot of times uh, they don't. And so um, those are kind of some specifics. So the details haven't completely ironed out, but like I said, they're getting more in focus. And same with paternal health. Uh, you know, I filed some bills related to uh, expanding Medicaid from 60 days to a full year for new mothers. Uh, we actually had a, a lunch, lunch and learn meeting about that uh, with with members of the future caucus. Uh, a lot of my colleagues from the Senate were there as well um, to discuss that issue. And, you know, ways we can do to improve maternal health. So they, there were some policy suggestions that kind of came out of there, that being one of them. And so, uh, not, not, it's not 100% concrete of, of what that bill is going to look like, but it's coming into focus. And so I know that I'm kind of mm -hmm. splitting the answer on that one. We have the general ideas. We're working towards specific policies to make those realities. Um, uh, but they, you, you can see some things that were, as we've talked about it more, we realize these are areas where we have a lot of agreement on. And we see a need, and it's like, okay, that is that is the sweet spot. That's the center part where we all can rally around. Let's focus in on that. Yeah. You did mention several things that this caucus has worked on in the in past sessions. Uh, could you mention a couple of those? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so one of the things was me and and Representative Scott worked on a grant program that that just got funded. Uh, to allow college campuses to establish food banks uh, for their students. Uh, 
And so, you know, one of the things that I was actually fascinated to learn about was a lot of uh, first generation college students drop out because of uh, food insecurity issues. Mm -hmm. So this was one that we we've been working on a while to get that done. And and we were very happy to finally get it up and and running and off the ground. Um, So that's one. Criminal justice was another one um, related to um, to uh, pregnant women in prison. You know, and this is a great example of when I talk about, you know, finding common solutions is. Jamie was coming from a human dignity standpoint and I was coming from a healthcare standpoint, you know, I was thinking, well, this is just bad for, for health outcomes. It's bad for, for uh, pregnant women in prisons, this and that. And, and so it's great. We able to come on a policy that kind of re- to change that, to improve uh, uh, mental health screenings in prisons for these pregnant women. And it's actually been uh, adapt- adopted into other states as well. So those are kind of two of the examples of bills we've worked on in the past. Uh, that we've we've been very successful on. Oh, refresh my memory. Was that about solitary confinement? And in... yes. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And then we had another one uh, with uh, firefighters and uh, mental health screenings for them as well. And that was one that Representative Andrew Collins helped with as well. He's another member of the Future Caucus. Um, and then of course, uh, oral contraceptive uh, expansion that we did last session. Uh, that was another one that we we consider a Future Caucus map bill. Um, that was uh, a bill me and Senator Brian Davis ran uh, to uh, expand access to oral contraceptives. So, which once again was uh, one that I think we all came from different angles on, but it was a common solution that we knew was best for Arkansas. Okay. So um, you worked on some of these things in the past, Aaron, uh, and I'll bring Alexa into this question too. So how how was your approach being received by? Um, by the other members of the uh, uh, of the legislature who who are older and don't share the same uh, don't share the, share the same perspectives that you do based on based on age and experience how how have you been received you know um i would say for the most part fairly well perceived i think we come from it's a different angle of we want to just explain uh what our generation has seen and how things are different um, you know, Jamie told a great story about kind of helping one of her older colleagues with, uh, email and, you know, she was like, oh, well, can you fax that to me? And she was kind of, oh my gosh, people are still using fax machines. <laughs> um, but, uh, I would say for the most part, you know, there's, there's a little bit of like, what are y'all doing? What are y'all up to kind of deal? Uh, maybe a little suspicion, but when I think they see that our heart is in the right direction and we're really wanting to tackling issues that, are important to our generation and that we in some ways have the subject matter, um, subject matter expertise, uh, you know, in many ways they're, they're very happy to kind of let us run with that stuff. You know, I, I kind of joke all the time is I'll get emails from other legislators saying, Hey, someone is uh, emailing me about cryptocurrency. What can you tell me about that? <laughs> you know, or I've got a legislator who's, who's emailing me about AI or, you know, a constituent is emailing me about AI. What, you know, can you tell me what's going on here? And so it's, it's actually nice in a way we can be very, it's, it's kind of, we scratch each other's back because at the same time too, there may be some legislation back a long time ago or, Hey, why are we doing it this way? Mm-hmm. And they have some institutional knowledge and some wisdom that we also can lean on. So we're not falling into the same pitfalls that we may not have had we not had that information. So when, when they see that it's this great symbiotic relationship, it, it works out really well because we can be a, a real asset to the, to the body. Um, and, and, and I think, I think most legislators, older legislators see that as it's an asset to have us around, um, as opposed to not having us there. 
So, Alex, I want to ask you about, uh, I, I noticed in your literature that, that there are more than 30 of these caucuses around the country now uh, in, in, in um, different states. So what kind of traction are you seeing in these other, in the, these other states where, where the same, a similar kind of effort is going on? Yeah, um, I would say that there is a similar traction. Um, I think that, um, you know, if these older legislators are, are really invested in their state and in their country and want good leadership, there's nothing wrong about having these younger leaders come in and really um, get a grip on learning the ropes and bridging across the aisles and creating policy. Um, I also think these younger legislators, um, like Aaron mentioned, um, really have the beat on what's going on with the electorate, like you mentioned, artificial intelligence or, or something along those lines. Um, along with this, young state leaders are really stepping up in leadership positions um, out of the over 1,500 young state legislators that we have in the country. 266 of them are in at least one senior leadership position, which is like speaker, Senate president, um, majority or minority leader. Uh, so I think that just shows their effectiveness and 401 of those young legislators are also in a committee chair. Um, so again, I think that um, these older legislators are, are seeing the, the work that the young legislators are putting into and are respecting it and, um, and giving them the leadership to continue to yield this power. Yeah. So and Doug mentioned this earlier, Aaron, uh, you know, the, uh, the eligible members uh, of the legislature for this caucus went from 30 to 40 in just one election cycle. That's a pretty big jump. Um, any thoughts about why, um, why that's happening? Why, why such an increase in the number of younger lawmakers who are, who are um, uh, stepping into office? You know, I think um, two of the reasons. One is I think uh, we, we already had a decent chunk of legislators who, who were young in Arkansas. And so I think we uh, started to lead more and be an example and, and showed a lot of um, fellow millennials across Arkansas that you can be a legislator, too. You can be in this role. And um, and so, too, when, you know, there were open seats or things like that, um, oftentimes, you know, the discussion wasn't around, OK, I need to go find, you know, a candidate looks like X. You know, it's you can actually go in and look find a candidate looks like Y, looks like me, you know, a 31 year old. And so. Uh, I, I think uh, there's uh, so people saw that they saw that it could be evolved. And then also even people when they went to go recruit candidates realized, you know, you can get a young, smart uh, millennial to run for office and win in Arkansas. And so uh, I, I think people saw that there's there's potential there. And and the second one, too, is I just think as you know, with social media and, and things like that have developed and spread, we get our information uh, faster, more rapidly. We can engage uh, easier as well. And so I think, um, as we are kind of the generation of social media, I think a lot of us all, um, you know, that we can be, we have a voice to be, to, to be heard and that we can be an active participant in this as well. So, uh, you know, they, they saw what, uh, we were doing and then also just had the access to what was going on and, and realized they could do it themselves. So I think those are kind of the two factors that led to us having such an increase in, in millennials in Arkansas. Okay. Are, are you seeing similar growth in other states, uh, Alexa? 
Um, yes, we, we are seeing some large growth. Um, this year, at the congressional level, we tracked um, how many young people under the age of 45 ran at the congressional. We weren't able to track the state level because there was too many. But at the congressional level, uh, one in six congressional candidates this year were millennials. Um, and that was a 52% increase from last election cycle. Uh, so we're definitely seeing this trend um, just do nothing but continue and rise in young people uh, running for office and realizing that they can um, contribute to these issues as well. Something I'd like to mention, building off what Mr. Pilkington said, you would think that the really severe term limits this state had several years ago would encourage young people. It actually did the opposite. When you only had three terms in the House, the first year you were a freshman, the second year you still didn't, have, second term you didn't have the committees you wanted, and the third term you were a lame duck. Now someone can run with a 16-year limit, now someone of service, someone can run in the House and actually have time to get something done before they're, they're basically booted out. And I don't, you know, having never run for my, anything myself I, and, and not being young, I can't say that's what encouraged them. But I think that's a pretty practical consideration. Anyway. All right. So uh, I think one of the things that, that um, Doug and I talked a lot about when he told me about the meeting last night was the, the focus on, on um, uh, working together. Uh, and, you know, we won't use the cliche of reaching across the aisle, but Republicans and Democrats being part, getting together on issues that are, uh, that are common to them and they have common uh, uh, interests. Um, uh, reducing the divisiveness that we've seen sort of pervade politics over the last few years. Um, uh, that seems to be a very noble goal that lots of people talk about. So uh, t- if both of you could talk a little bit about that, how, how does that happen? How do you, how do you actually make those, those connections and make things uh, work more smoothly um, in, in, in legislative settings? Um, well, I, what I say is, I think it's about um, just trying to really be honest when you when you engage. And so, like I said, no one's being asked to give up their political beliefs or to change their stance. It's just let's look at let's look at issues and see where maybe there is some commonality. Um, you know, and I say this all the time. It's like, you know, me and Jamie are very different when it comes to, uh, you know, our, our political beliefs. Uh, but we're very honest about what our political beliefs are, and, and we come to the conversation as honest brokers with each other. And I think doing that, A, there's not a misconception about where we stand. Um, there's there's not, you know, they know that we're going to represent our districts and go represent our viewpoints. Um, but because of that, then it actually helps kind of push away the, the uh, how do you say it, almost the, the fog of war when it's, well, can I really trust you on this? Are you really sincere about this? You come as an honest broker with the safety of, I'm not going to change my views. Well, let's see where we can work together. And that, I think, is kind of like the secret formula that makes it successful for us and makes it to where we can build a, build relationships off that and then work together on things because it, it's honest and we're we're not asking to change each other. We're just asking to find the areas where we may have some overlap. So um, I think that's 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 the big difference because you can go back into my district, and you know I'm uh, you know I'm the same guy who I ran for office. I didn't change or anything like that. You know I've got one of the most the highest conservative score rating <laughs> ratings across the board. You know I'm always in the top five. 
And so when people see that I'm part of this, you know, they kind of raise an eyebrow, like, wait, you're, you're part of a bipartisan group. And it's like, well, yeah, I am because like, I want to get conservative policies done and uh, I want to solve the problems of the state. And guess what? There's going to be times when we can actually work together. And there's a lot of commonality when you kind of move the noise and the rhetoric away and see that actually this is a policy that, you know, conservatives would like. And so we, we teased Jamie Scott. She won an award from uh, Arkansas for Prosperity, which is a conservative group for criminal justice <laughs> reform. But I mean, no one is going around saying that she's some, you know, Republican co-backed, you know, uh, uh, state lawmaker. And so it's, we kind of we always get a good joke out of that because it's amazing. Sometimes there's common areas that we never even realized were there, but just uh, the way we've worked together and being honest about who we are and not compromising our views actually gave us the path forward so that we could walk and trust each other. I want to mention that a member of the audience asked that very question uh, last night and said, look, how are your constituents back home, your primary voters, taking this? And nobody said, you know, that they've paid any kind of price for this. I think there is a, or hopefully, or at least that's, a, that's an indicator of a change in mood of, uh, of people saying, look, we want our government to function. And we want you to concentrate on that. And it's not all out war all the time. We'll see, you know, if if the peace is real and if it lasts. But but so far, so good. All right. Well, uh, any other thoughts from uh, from our from our guests today uh, before we move on? Uh, anything else you'd like to add? You know, I would I would just add one thing. I always I always like to say this is. You know, we'll we'll pass a hundred bills, and maybe ten of them will be really controversial, and you'll hear about them in the news. And they're those ones that are party line votes. But but there's a lot that we do that you know doesn't get the attention that aren't aren't purely you know party line votes. You know, and I kind of joke, there's bills that have bipartisan opposition and bipartisan support. Uh, you know, they split both our caucuses, Republican or Democrat. So um, kind of Doug's point about like the peace. It's like I what I do hope is is doing this also makes it to win. We do have votes like that that are along party lines or things like that, that the discussion is done in a more respectful way um, and that we we you know, those 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 votes are still going to be there. You know, uh, I'm not over any illusion that we're not going to have kind of things like that happen. But it's this hope that, OK, that vote was that way. Sure, it was contentious, but we've got these other issues that we can work together on. So leave that in the past and just work on this and work on the future together. Yeah, Rep Pilkington put it perfectly. Um, I think that both Rep Pilkington and Rep Scott are really setting the example of what future governing um, can look like. So, so happy uh, to be a part of it. Well, I want to thank our guest today, Representative Aaron Pilkington, who is a uh, Republican state lawmaker from Clarksville, who is one of the leaders of the Arkansas Future Caucus, and also Alexa Wally, who is the press secretary for the Millennial Action Project, which is a, an organization that tries to activate young leaders in government and tries to bridge the partisan gaps. So uh, thank you both for being here and talking about uh, talking about your organization and the look forward in Arkansas. Thank you. Thank you. And Doug Thompson was also here with us today. His story about the Arkansas Future Caucus will appear in Sunday's Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette and River Valley Democrat Gazette. There's plenty of other great content coming your way this weekend. Fayetteville City Council will discuss creating a graffiti abatement program to remove it from public buildings and structures. Stacy Ryburn will have those details. Usage of public facilities in Rogers, like the Executive Airport, the Adult Wellness Center, and the Historical Museum, 
is way up, and in some cases approaching pre-pandemic levels. Garrett Moore has that story. Monica Brick will tell us all about the upcoming Fort Smith Christmas Parade scheduled for December 10th. Thomas Sicente is also in the holiday spirit, bringing you a story about the Christmas on the Square event Monday in Greenwood. We'll tell you if Bentonville, Shiloh Christian, and Greenwood can bring home state football championships at nwaonline.com. And we'll tell you where the Razorbacks football team will be going bowling at wholehogsports.com. All of this content and more is available to our subscribers on our tablet and smartphone replica apps and at our website at nwaonline.com. A subscription to your local newspaper is a great gift idea for yourself or for a loved one. Just hit the subscribe button on our website to get started. Or you can call us at 479-684-5509. Again, that number is 479-684-5509. Know the News is a weekly podcast produced by the newsroom of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette and the River Valley Democrat Gazette. And we'll be back next week with a new edition. Until then, this is your host, Rusty Turner, saying so long.